Good morning, Spirit of Grace. Everybody give a shout out to all those that are watching with us
anything up there. Just think about it. And think about what God did. And then I want you to grasp a hold of where you are right now. And then I want you to because of that. Praise and love you
Praise God. Time. 
And so uh, if you're interested in coming to be a part of that, we meet from 7 until about 8.30. And it will be here in the sanctuary um, tomorrow uh, so that we can keep our distance and things of that nature. Praise God. I'm excited about what God has for us today. I've sensed his presence even from the praise team doing their practice and rehearsal. And uh, God's just wanting to meet his people in divine ways. Um, we are living in a day and age where there's all kind of spirit going on in the world. Negative spirit, personal negative spirit. By the way, how many made it on your fast this week of sweets and negativity? <laughs> <laughs> no, the sweets were better than the negativity. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to unlock that freezer this afternoon and go to <laughs> It must have been the Lord when he had me do sweets last week because we got a bunch of people saying, I just bought this and I just bought that. Hopefully it stayed frozen through the week. <laughs> This week we are calling a continued fast. This week we're asking you to fast one meal per day and then not asking God for anything. Just see how difficult that is. Don't ask him for anything, just praise him for everything. Don't ask him for anything, just praise him for everything. You'll, you'll have to learn how to pray over your meal differently. Because when you pray for your meal, God bless this food, well that's a prayer, asking him for something. And uh, it's a shift in thinking. It'll be challenging, but it's a good fast to have. And you'll realize by the end of the week how often we spend just asking God for stuff. Yeah. And then one meal a, a day. Now, if you're the kind of person that only eats two meals a day, that means you only eat one meal a day this week. Just because it's normally lunch, breakfast, and dinner, that, and you only do lunch and dinner, that doesn't just mean you fast at breakfast. That's, that's your norm. And it doesn't just mean that you skip the food. Take that time that you would normally spend at your meal in the Word of God or in prayer or in worship. Take that 15, 20 minutes to a half an hour, whatever it takes you to eat. Some of you eat longer, some of you scarf it down pretty good. But whatever that meal time is for you, just spend some time in the Word of the Lord and with Him and just see what God will do this week. So one meal a day and not asking God for anything. That starts at midnight tonight and go to service next Sunday. Praise God. God is moving in our last two weeks of fasting. I believe that. Praise God. Daniel chapter 3. You can remain seated because I'm going to read the whole chapter today because it's the backdrop of this message. And if you've been around a church any length of time, you've probably heard this story. But I believe that the Lord has, has opened my eyes to look at it a little bit differently today. And I believe it's going to help somebody. Verse number one, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, 
All the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, and then the officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Now the hair on their heads were singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people 
whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. What a story. I want to preach this message with the help of the Lord. I will not bow. Hallelujah. I will not bow. Would you just close your eyes and ask the Lord to open up your hearts and your minds to receive what God has for us today, Jesus? I pray, Lord, that you would fill me up and pour me out upon your people right now. Let the anointing power of God flow through me in a mighty way onto ears and hearts that are ready and willing to receive what you're trying to speak into our spirits today. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to let us walk away here empowered. Let us walk away here encouraged. Let us walk away here on fire. Yeah. In the name that is above every name, for at your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. What I would like to do with this message is just pull a couple of things out that the Lord started pointing out to me this week that I maybe hadn't thought of or, or I've thought about abstractly in the past, but God was bringing it right down to 2020 and where we're at and where we have been at. And there is a move on in the spirit world that is fighting against the spirit of God. Amen. Uh, I, I, let me say it this way. The spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today. I don't know if the actual Antichrist is here yet. A lot of people believe that he's already been born and that he's going up through the ranks. And I don't know who that is yet. But here's what I do know. Whether or not he's alive, whether he's not going, uh, growing in power, I don't know about all of that. But the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today. All across in every institution that we have, there has been a battle against the spirit of Christ. Yes. And uh, so I, I know that for today that what's going on in the world fits this chapter very closely. And so I just want to point out some things for you today. You take them and you respond to them, you chew on them, you think about them, meditate on them, and just see what God has for you. I believe that we are living in a day and age that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived in. Uh, in this day, Nebuchadnezzar set up an idol that was huge. And the problem was not that he built the idol. The problem was that he demanded everybody, all race, people, color, everything, to bow at that image. Now, I don't know how many images that they're getting torn down right now. I, so it's not an actual image today. There's not actual things being built and commanding us to bow. But there are some philosophies out there that if we're not aware of those philosophies and what is behind those philosophies, when you misunderstand those, I fear that there are too many Christ followers that are confused and some are even bowing at the idol of that philosophy without even realizing that they're bowing at it. They are being consumed by it without realizing what they are being consumed by. Nebuchadnezzar had a very visible image, but the image was not the thing that, that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
weren't really fighting again. It was the, against. It was the spirit behind the image. It was the, the spirit that put that person, Nebuchadnezzar, as a god. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, there is no other god. There are some things that are out there that are attempting to force us to worship their gods. And it's some of this, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come from both sides of the political spectrum just so I can offend everybody. How many have ever stood like I did as a kid growing up and pledged allegiance to the flag of the United States of America? I love that. But you want to know what? I can't do it anymore. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation. Are we one nation? Under God. Can I tell you it's been declared that America is no longer a Christian nation? Indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. Is that the America that the flag represents right now? Listen, I am patriotic to the core, but what I'm patriotic to is what this country was and what it started out as, as an American experiment. I am all for that, but you can't tell me that standing up for some of the things that are patriotic today are standing up for the same things that were founded, that this country was founded upon. I wish that it was, but there, we have come to a day where I've got to tell society, I've got to tell the quote-unquote patriots, I cannot bow under the auspices of this because the philosophy of that which is not what this was founded on has crept into all of our institutions and it has fought against all of our institutions. It's not an accident that they're trying to tear down the statues of Washington and Jefferson and all of the, the, the founding fathers and, and coming against the Constitution. Why? Because there is a fight going on, not in the natural, but in the spiritual, because that which this country was founded upon was founded upon spiritual principles. That I will pledge myself to, but to the America of today is becoming more and more difficult. And when you say that, and I saw some of your faces even look at me when I said I cannot pledge that pledge any longer, some of you were looking at me cross-eyed. <laughs> And when you do that, what you're really saying is you should really bow. And there is a pressure to bow at this thing called America. Now, don't get me wrong and don't walk. America is still the greatest country in the world. And I still love this country. And I still stand for the principles that this country was founded upon. But the society that I have seen over the last six months is not an American society. So I have to be careful with what I say. Now let me even go on the other side of the political spectrum. And I'm speaking as a pastor and as a preacher. But there is a philosophy out there that is trying to get us to bow. And it's going under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter. I know this is a political topic and I can feel some of you are just cringing. Do your study before you agree with a statement. 
Because Black Lives Matter is not about black lives. Now, I am all for black lives because they matter. And so the white and yellow, I'd even probably support green people. <laughs> but if you look at their actual website of Black Lives Matter, it is to tear down the family structure. Now, listen, the very first institution that was created in this was family structure. You cannot tell me. And here's what, here's what troubled my spirit about that, is all kinds of Christians posting on social media and, all, and, and, and they're holding up signs saying, Black Lives Matter. They don't even know what they're supporting. They think in their minds that they're supporting equality for the black and the white people and the yellow people and the orange people and all the different peoples of the world. That's not what Black Lives Matter stands for. So you've got to become a Shamrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not going to bow down at the philosophy that is being put out there. I will stand for people. I will stand for the goodness of people and the righteousness of people. I will stand no matter what color, race, background, creed, whether it's an addict or a non-addict, whether it's an educated person or an uneducated person, whether they're ugly or not, whether they're non-addict. I don't care who it is. They're all God's creatures. That I will stand for. That mentality I will bow down before. But that other stuff, Augustine. It, it, it have, and here's what happens when you say no. You are guilted. On the right, if you don't say that the flag in America is awesome, they look at you like, well, you're not really a patriot. You don't really care about America. And then if you go on the other side of the political spectrum and you don't stand up for them, they say, oh, you're just a, you just hate people. Am I, am I saying it right? I know it's kind of a heavy topic. But listen, take that topic to Daniel chapter 3. What did Nebuchadnezzar stand for? Was Shadrach, and, and listen, we only have three young men that did not bow. All the other religious folks did. There is a fight for your soul. There is a fight for your knees and to what you're going to bow in front of. What are you going to bow for? What are you going to worship? It's a fight. You can't get away from it. And here's, here's what happens if you read verse 12 and 13. Your enemies will use your refusal and they'll consider it a personal attack on their character and their philosophy. How many have ever got into a disagreement with somebody and they took it personally? Some of you are honest. <laughs> All the time. Because one person thinks one thing, one person thinks the other. And here's what ends up happening in the society that we're in today. We can't have disagreements because disagreements become personal. And what it is, is it's the spirit of Antichrist. Here's the spirit of Christ. Come, let us reason together. 
But the spirit of Antichrist is, you don't agree with me, then you're just rejected. You don't, you don't agree with me, you're just not right. You don't agree with my point of view, you don't agree, you, you fight against me, and there's this, and the enemy uses that as so you just don't like me. You just hate me. You just, you, you just don't want to be friends anymore. And how many people have lost friendships, especially in the last couple of years, because they didn't agree with something that somebody was saying? Amen. Even those, if you read verse 12 and 13 again, even those that previously promoted you and supported you and was on your side. Listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't three strangers. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar had already made them leaders in the province of Babylon. He had already given them a promotion. He had Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you read chapters 1 and 2, they refused the king's meat and God to perform the miracle in them. And so Nebuchadnezzar had already elevated these three young guys to a place of leadership. And sometimes even when the person or the thing that promotes you or supports you will come back against you and try to entrap you and try to get you to bow at something that you should not be bowing at. Listen, my friend, you have friends and loved ones that have tried to get you to bow to the philosophies of this world. There comes a time, even if they've been a supportive nature, even if they have promoted you, where you've got to step back and say, I will not bow. Well, Pastor, that's not easy to do. Of course it's not easy. Because most of us don't enjoy hurting other people's feelings. Now, there may be one or two of you in here that don't <laughs> But most of us, we want people to like us. And so we don't want to confront them. We want to do Minnesota passive-aggressive on them. See, I walked into the truth there. <laughs> and so we entertain a false spirit. And while we don't necessarily bow down and worship, we allow that philosophy to become ingrained in us to the point where we actually end up defending the person that is trying to lock you into a, a, a Now remember, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So when I say person, I'm not talking about their humanity, but the spirit that is taking control of the situation. That's what we're fighting against. And until you break that off and say, I will not bow, and let me be so bold as to say this. If that person really cares about you, they're not going to care where you bow. They're going to support you support you in your decision. I can't go where you're going to go. Okay, I'll see you next week. I can't be found in places because that's not good for me. Okay, see you next week. But today we live in an age... 
I can't go to that place with you because that's not good for me. Oh, you don't like me? Think you're better than I am? Well, fine. Then we're just done. And we've got to be willing to say, well, then we're done. Because I will not bow. You see, the next thing they do, those spirits, they try to negotiate with us. Verse 14 and 15. Nebuchadnezzar's mad. And so he calls in the three guys that he promoted. He says, is this true? That you're not going to bow at my idol? At my decree? At my philosophy? Listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I, I, I know you probably just misunderstood. You probably just didn't get it. So listen, I'm going I'm to try it one more time. And when you hear the music this time, make sure you bow and then we'll forget this ever happened. We'll negotiate but their negotiation is always one-sided. Listen, the spirit of Antichrist is always a one-sided negotiation. And that's this. Either you do it my way or you pay the price. I'll forget about it this time, but you're still going to have to do it. And if you don't, then I'm going to cut you off. Has anybody ever experienced Take it out of the person situation. Take it into just what you're dealing with. It may be an addiction. It may be whatever it is. It may be a mindset. It may be a, an emotion that you've been battling. It may be anger. It may be all kinds of things. And it's trying to get you to bow down to it and to take control over it. And you have been fighting back and forth with it. And it's negotiating with you. And it's saying, if you'll just give in one more time, then I'll take care of it. It could be a habit. It could be a sin. That you keep saying to God, well, God, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give it up. And every time that spirit comes back to you and says, oh, just one more time isn't going to hurt. What Nebuchadnezzar is doing with Shadrach, he said, "Just one more time. Listen, I'm going to give you one more chance. Come on over to the side and worship." I like the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse number sixteen. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. to somebody that wants your downfall. Amen. Well, why can't you go with me to this place? Well, because of this, this, and that. Stop it. Because I don't want to go. We sit there and we talk back to it. We try to explain our feelings. We try to explain our emotions. We try to explain why this isn't good for us. This isn't right for us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, listen, we're not bowing Nebuchadnezzar. We're not worshiping. And I'm not defending myself before you. Notice that there is no explanation from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego why they would not bow. And they did break out the Ten Commandment Bible study that said, Thou shalt have no other God before me. They didn't take down the, all of the law that they had learned as kids and all of the Bible stories and all the things that, that had been given to them through the years and didn't do a 20-week Bible study with Nebuchadnezzar and say, This isn't the reason. He just said this. No! Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And some of us, because we don't want to offend that person, 
or because we think we can convert that person, we try to get into a discussion about why we're not doing this and why we're not doing that. When God is saying, just say no. The only person you have to defend yourself in front of is him. And in defending yourself in front of him, you have an opportunity to go to a cross where the price was already paid for your judgment. I'd rather have that defense. Some of you just need to stop arguing with that spirit. Stop fighting that spirit and just say no. Well, that's hard to do. Yup. But you want to know what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego gave us the, the key. The key to saying no. They said it this way. Whatever happens, old Nebby, my God is able to deliver me. But if he doesn't, I'm still not bound. Can I just tell you, evil spirits cannot battle that kind of an endurance. You want to overcome evil spirits? Say no. Say no. I wish I had time. Read Luke chapter 4. The Bible says that Jesus in verse 1 was full of the Holy Ghost when he was called into the wilderness. And three times he said no. And in verse 14, the Bible says not that he came back full of the Holy Ghost. He came back in the power of the Holy Ghost. When you learn to say no to worshiping that which is around you, you begin to be empowered by the power of God. And all of a sudden, your victories become a lot easier. All of a sudden, your battles become less uh, uh, preposterous. And all of a sudden, you're able to walk. Stop defending yourself. And when you still refuse... In verse 19, they blow up. Nebuchadnezzar was so outraged that the Bible says that his face contorted with anger. I would want to look at Nebuchadnezzar and say, why would I want to worship that? Your anger. No, I will not bow. And so what does he do? He blows up. He gets so mad. Can I just tell you something? When you start saying no to the spirits of the Antichrist, he will get ticked off. And he will blow a gasket. His face will come come contorted. Because he does not like confrontation either. But here is what you need to know and understand. The blow up is the, the, the precursor to the blow out. When, he, when that spirit blows up at you, just get ready because God's getting ready to blow that spirit out of the water. When he gets so mad, God turns that which he is doing 
into something that God uses him to do. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. There is something that is getting ready to happen in each one of our lives as you begin to refuse to bow to the spirits of this world. And when you stand up to the things of God, when you don't get consumed with all of the political junk that's in the world today, and I'm sorry to say almost everything has been politicized, when you get tied up and tangled up in all of that, you can't see what to bow in front of and what not to bow in front of. But when you bow only before him, that which is around you is going to lose their mind. And we don't like that. And I'll tell you why we don't like that. It's found in verse 22. Verse 22, it says this. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers that threw the three men in. When you refuse to bow, bystanders and third-party people will get damaged. Because of your refusal to bow. But here's what I want you to know. It's not your fault. Amen. Well, Pastor, if I just spend this time with that person there, well, then maybe I can just, I can help them. Because it's really not their fault that we're dealing with this spirit. And it's really not, listen, it's not your job to protect the bystanders. It's your job to not bow. God will protect the bystanders that need to be protected. God will protect the third-party individuals that need to be protected. Your responsibility is, I will only bow to Christ. Yeah. Does it make you feel any better? I don't know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were feeling when they got dropped into the fire and they looked back out. These three soldiers that were the toughest dudes around were, were, were slain by the power of the furnace. But listen, it wasn't their fault. And too many of us have taken on the burdens of somebody else's responsibility because a bystander was hurt by something that you did for God. Listen, if all the people that have been third party or bystanders or those that were just there in the battles that we have had with our enemy, it would become so heavy that we would not move any longer because we would be guilty for what's happening to somebody else. But can I tell you that that is a tool of the enemy that's trying to lock you and paralyze you in place. It is not your fault that they have become damaged by the things of your enemy. It's the enemy's fault. And the enemy will pay the ultimate price. I'm just about finished here, but I want you to notice something in verses 23 to 25. And this is something that we don't like to hear very often. And that is this. Notice... Notice this whole chapter. My question is this. Where is God? In the furnace. Not yet, he's not. <laughs> he's getting there. Notice that he wasn't there 
When the church went to Nebuchadnezzar and ratted out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice that we don't have a record of him there when these young men, probably teenagers, stood up and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not going to bow. We don't see reference of him there. When Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind and calls the big soldiers to come and throw, he's not there when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are tied up. Can I tell, what's, tell you what I believe some of us do? Is we get into the position where we get tied up and we wonder where God's at. Because in our mind, God should deliver us before we get tied up. In our minds, God should have shown up when I didn't bow the first time and blow Nebuchadnezzar off the face of the earth. In our minds, it should have happened a lot sooner. The way we live our lives is we get to the place where we're asked to bow or not bow, and we think when we say, I will not bow, then God should just and take care of all of our problems. Because God, I didn't bow. But notice, they are tied up. God did not deliver them from the judgment of their enemy. They didn't. The Bible says they were still tossed inside. Now, I do have a couple of questions to let you know that Nebuchadnezzar was an insane individual. The soldiers died when they opened the furnace. And the three Hebrew children still got tossed in before they were dead. She was knowing something was up. But then notice where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego landed. They landed in the furnace. And that's where God decided to show up. Man, Pastor, I haven't seen God in a long time. Have you avoided the furnace? Because he's in the heat of the furnace. He's waiting on you to get thrown in. He's getting waiting. He's waiting on you for your enemies to give you a good shove into the furnace. And when you land flat on your face in the heat of the situation, you will look up and there he'll be. And notice what happens in the furnace. That which tied them up was gone. I don't know what these three guys along with the Lord was doing in the furnace. They may have been dancing, shouting. I don't know what they were doing. But somehow Nebuchadnezzar was able to see that there was four there, not three. But notice that God didn't deliver them from the judgment of the enemy. He allowed them to go into the judgment of the enemy, and that's where he was waiting on them. There are too many of us that are trying to get out of the heat of the furnace. And God is saying, just don't bow and let the judgment come, because I'll be waiting when you get there. Some of us are so frustrated because we're trying to serve God, and it just seems like we're hitting a brick wall, and it seems like we're fighting, and nothing in society seems to be working. Can I just tell you, we're listening, and of all the things that are going on, and we're waiting for all the things that are happening, and Every day there's something different and it's all uncertain and there's no telling what's going to happen and there's no telling how it's going to happen. And all I know is this, the Bible tells us that the world is going to wax worse and worse and then cometh the Lord. All I know is it may not get any better than what we've got right now, but I still will not 
not bow, and if I will not bow, I may have to pay a price for not bowing, but the price that I paid, God has already gone there, and he's waiting for me to get there. And when I get there in the midst of my furnace experience, I'm going to dance a dance of worship because I'm in the presence of Almighty God. You see, the presence of Almighty God is not the streets of gold or the sea of crystal. It's right where he is at. And he's waiting for some of us to just not bow. Let your enemy go absolutely berserk and drop you into a furnace. And he'll reveal himself to you at that moment. Because here's what I want to understand. In the next four or five minutes, God never delivers them out of the furnace. It was Nebuchadnezzar that called them out of the furnace. Your enemy is going to be the tool and the instrument for your release. Amen. That which you have struggled with and fought with, if you will just stand for God, he will show up where you're at. And when he shows up where you're at, that thing which has tried to throw you in the furnace in the first place is going to have to call you out of it. I don't know what that does for you, but you think about all of the people and the things and the situation that have locked you up and tangled you up and tied you up and caused pressure and worry and things around you. Listen, I believe this in this day and hour, God is going to begin to release their voices to call you from that place of heartache, headache, and struggle. That which has been your fiery furnace is getting ready to be your way of escape, not because God takes you out of it, but because God uses your enemy to take you out of it. Yeah. The psalmist said it this way, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You see, uh, there, there, there's a little bit, God's a little competitive. He's a, he's a little competitive. I know that because he created some of you. And, and we're a little competitive from time to time. So God's competitive. But he's got an unfair advantage because he can use everything at his disposal to win. And notice that when Nebuchadnezzar calls them out, all of the officials that ratted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out were standing there. All of the Babylonian leadership was standing there. And Nebuchadnezzar can't even get all the way up to the furnace. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come here, come out. And they stepped out of the furnace and their hair was not singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. And it caused the enemy of God to declare the glory of yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. And when the enemy of God 
begins to declare the glory of God. The glory of God radiates even brighter because it's coming from a source that has fought against it. Listen, stay strong. Don't bow. Let God show up. Let your enemy call you back out and when you get called back out, that same enemy that has been fighting you is going to have to give glory to God. And God goes, that's me. We shouldn't do that, but God can't. Because then what God does is he makes that enemy the Bible says, promote Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher places in authority. Where are you today? Are you facing the spirit of trying to get you to bow to something? To succumb to something? To compromise in some way? Don't do it. Just say, Nancy Reagan had it right. Just say no. For all you younger guys, look it up in the encyclopedia. <laughs> you don't know the encyclopedia. Go on, go on, go on. separated by, I don't know, three, four years. One was basically 13 when we took over. So we were her youth pastor, all of her youth age, and then she had a brother that came along. Their dad never attended church. Their dad was an alcoholic. Their mom was as faithful as could be. Such a precious soul. And I remember all of the different times that she would get those kids to church and they fell in love with Jesus and they returned to an alcoholic's home where the responsibility level of their father was not very high where they scratched together enough finance 
making. And even then, sometimes they weren't really making it. And there were often times where it would have been easier for this mother and she had other children, but these two children were the ones we dealt with. The others were older. It would have been easier for her and those two children to say it's just not worth it. I'm going to bow to the pressure. I'm just going to go start my own thing and let him figure it out on his own. Because it was a fight. She would come to church and she was so weighed down. But when the Holy Ghost hit her, it was a little shake in her hands. And in her spirit, she said, I will not left in 2008. Those two teenagers, they're both still in the ministry today. Both went to Bible college. Both of them ultimately talented. One of them absolutely, insanely musically talented. Just incredible. Being used of God. They left home. Mom stayed I will not bow. After church, I'm going home to a furnace. But I will not bow. The heat has become too much to bear. But I will not bow. left in 2008 and came here. A couple of years ago on Facebook that which that woman fought against for so long was now going down in the waters of baptism. That gentleman has finished his earthly journey but it didn't stop there. He had taken a heavenly journey because one woman and her two kids would not bow. No matter how bad the furnace got. Listen, there were times where the mother was so stressed out would sit in our home and weep would come to church and weep. It's not always easy, but if you refuse to bow to the spirit of your enemy, God releases the spirit of that enemy to loose you into a dynamic anointing. And every time she got up to speak or to sing, we finally talked her into becoming a youth teacher. And when she would get up to sing, her voice would come across the platform as she sang, and you could hear the angels singing with her, and you could sense the anointing power of God. It didn't matter what she was singing, the anointing was flowing. Why? Because she 
pressure of her circumstance. Some of you have been fighting. Thank you. 